in QGIS, we are already using the Poodle library for the data access uh, to point clouds. But uh, in fact, this is maybe just like 5% of what the library actually has to offer. It is, uh, I would say, state-of-the-art open source library to deal with point clouds. It um, contains like dozens and dozens of uh, filters that can do all sorts of things from filtering data, classification, doing various um, export of um, derived data like uh, the rasters or even uh, meshes. Welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. My guest on the show today is Martin Dobiesch. He is the CTO of Lutra Consulting. And today on the podcast, we're talking about cloud-optimized point cloud. Now, just a quick heads up. During the interview, I used the abbreviation for cloud-optimized point clouds, COP and COPC interchangeably. This is a mistake. I understand if it's confusing, but just understand what I'm talking about is cloud-optimized point clouds. And just before we get started, I also want to mention that this episode is sponsored by OpenCage. So OpenCage is a geocoding company and we're running a marketing experiment together. OpenCage has generously agreed to sponsor four episodes of this podcast, but instead of asking me to talk about them, what they've done is given away these sponsorship slots to projects that are built in, on, and around OpenStreetMap. So, and one of the winners of this sponsorship spot is a project called Weekly OSM. So you can find this at weeklyosm.eu. And what is it? What is Weekly OSM? Well, it's basically an update of all the things that are happening in OpenStreetMap land. So if you go to weeklyosm.eu, the first thing you'll see on the homepage is, is a bunch of interesting updates. So we've got mapping campaigns. We've got updates about things, different things that are happening within the, the OSM community itself. We've got events that are coming up educational events, we've got demonstrations and tutorials, we've got people that are doing research based on OpenStreetMap, we've got updates about different software, programming languages, releases. It's basically everything you need to know or perhaps want to know about OpenStreetMap. So if you, if this is something that you might be interested in and it looks like a fantastic project, check out weeklyosm.eu. Again, there'll be a link to this in the show notes. Hi, Martin. Welcome to the podcast. You are the CTO of Lutra Consulting, and you guys do a ton of interesting work in the open source geospatial world. And today on the podcast, I want to talk about some of the work you've done around the cloud-optimized point cloud, or, or COP. But before we get there, would you mind just introducing yourself to the audience, please, and perhaps letting us know how you got involved in geospatial? Yeah. Hi, Daniel. Thanks for having me here. So my background is in computer science. But um, I always liked uh, hiking and maps in general. So over time, also uh, within my uh, father's small company, I helped him do some programming with GPS receivers and uh, some stuff with smartphones. And yeah, that was around like 2005 when we did a small mobile application for smartphones uh, that dealt with GPS. But then later on, during my university studies, I had a uh, project where I just wanted to do something with maps. And uh, my advisor pointed me to some very early version of QGIS. I think it was maybe uh, 0.4 or so. And told me that, uh, yeah, rather than doing some project from scratch, why not try to improve something there? So... 
I tried and uh, it was fun. And uh, yeah, since then I've been in geospatial doing some programming. And uh, later when I finished my university, I did some other uh, jobs. But then since uh, 2013, I have uh, started working with Lutra Consulting and there we do lots of geospatial stuff. So j- just a quick question about your earlier work with QGIS. Was that back in the day when it was called Quantum GIS? Exactly. Wow. And, and we're talking about, when you say a project, are you, are you talking about making a contribution to the open source code of Quantum GIS? Is that what you did? Or were you using it to do some processing as a step in your project? Yeah, it was a kind of programming exercise. So Typically, we would need to pick some kind of small project and implement it in some programming language. So this was, yeah, adding some new features uh, to then Quantum GIS. Could you also tell us what that feature was that you added or improved? Mm, Yeah, that's been a long time, but I think it was something like uh, for the application to be able to accept uh, command line arguments with uh, like X and Y, minimum and maximum. So that when you when you open the application, it will be zoomed into to this area. Wow, wow! You know, when I think about the amount of functionality that's in QGIS now, it's it's hard to believe that things like that were were missing back in the day. The promise at the start of this episode was that we're a discussion around cloud optimized point clouds. So when you hear the name cloud optimized point cloud or or COP for for short, obviously it's a point cloud that's optimized for the cloud. But I guess what I'm curious about, what what does that mean? How is it optimized for the cloud? So the optimization for the cloud is really mainly about the support of streaming. When we deal with uh, point clouds, one important thing is that like these are typically really large uh, data sets. So just to imagine like one kilometer squared can be easily many millions of points. And so the data set of a whole country we are talking about uh, trillions of points and uh, many terabytes of data. So with this kind of size of data, it's clear that uh, dealing with the whole data set, um, that would take really a, lo- a load of bandwidth to download them and, uh, and further process them. So the streaming is the great thing that you just download whatever uh, you need from the data set and kind of skipping all the rest of the data. And uh, this is what uh, the cloud-optimized point cloud uh, format is all about. Okay, so I know from previous discussions with, with, with people on, on this podcast around cloud-optimized formats, if I think about cloud-optimized GeoTIFF, for example, the magical pieces are, for me for, for, for that is like the, the index within the cloud-optimized GeoTIFF, and I'm assuming there's something similar here in a, in a cloud-optimized point cloud, so an index internally in the file, and this idea of, of range requests. We've just been talking about streaming, so I wonder if we could start with range requests first. Could you first tell us what streaming means to you, and then perhaps explain how range requests make that possible? Yeah, so streaming, as uh, I think about it, is really like the, the concept of what people are used to about streaming of audio or streaming of video, simply that out of uh, one large file, you just want to uh, skip to the piece of data that you are interested in and take that part and download just a small amount of data. This is where the so-called range requests are very interesting 
it's a feature of the HTTP protocol used on all the web servers, where if the web server supports it, uh, you can simply tell that rather than giving me the whole file, please give me just uh, some uh, subset of the data starting at uh, this point and uh, being uh, this many bytes long. And of course, when we're talking about geospatial data, this range request can be a geospatial request. Like I'm interested in data within this bounding box. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's correct. So here is one of the complications that comes with uh, geospatial data because we are dealing with 2D or 3D data while typically with like audio or video streaming, it's really just like one stream in time. So this is something that needs to be addressed by some smart um, representation uh, in the file. Okay, perfect. So this brings us on to the next magical bit about these cloud-optimized formats. And this is the indexing of the file itself. Go for it. It's all you. What, what do I mean when I say indexing of the file? <laughs> the indexing really means uh, that to give some structure to the file. So imagine that like typical standards uh, that are used for interchange of data with point clouds like uh, the LAS format or LAZ, you can think of them as that it's a uh, one big bag of points. There is uh, no way of telling like where you can find any particular point. You really may need to scan through the whole file in order to make sure that you have um, got to uh, some area of interest uh, that you were looking at. Now, with the indexing, things are different. We use a structure internally, which is called Octree, and uh, it's a three-dimensional structure. You can imagine it as a, as a cube uh, that has um, different levels. So at the root level of the cube, uh, there is just one cube. Then in the next level, it will be split to eight uh, smaller cubes and uh, so on. So with uh, every level, you get to having like a smaller uh, cube with a um, smaller amount of uh, data. And um, this, is, this is what is uh, really used uh, as the organization of, uh, of COPSI. So in case the, the uh, client, the, the user needs to access some small amount of data, we just uh, go through this hierarchy and find the uh, cube or multiple cubes that satisfy the request. And uh, we can then only send some small amount of data instead of uh, having to go through the whole file. So when you're, when you're talking about these cubes in the, the Octree index here, are you just talking about an index map where I know, okay, I, this, this cube I have to get, or are you actually creating those cubes in the same way we might create overviews or, or tiles for, for large data sets and packing them into the file? These cubes, uh, they are already like built in into the, into the file. So one part of the file is just the data itself, and the other part of the data is really the information about the hierarchy, like um, where to find, let's say, which cube? If I had a, a LAS file, for example, and I converted that to a cloud-optimized point cloud, because we're creating these cubes, this internal tiling, would I see a, a huge change in the size of the file once I converted that from a LAS to a cloud-optimized point cloud? If you worked with uh, the, the compressed uh, LAZ file, 
then uh, yeah, you would see some slight uh, increase of the size. But generally, I think we are talking about maybe 15 to 30 percent um, increase. But if you started with some uncompressed uh, data file, then like the actual file size would be actually much smaller thanks to the compression. Okay, so so again, we've got these two really interesting things. We've got the these range requests, which make it possible to stream data to to say I'm just interested in this chunk of data, and of course we've got the indexing built into these these files that we're talking about, the, these cops that allows us to just get that piece of data and take it out, and and it's streamable. And I think for me, one of the magical things about these streamable file formats is that we need very little infrastructure to make it work. So my understanding is I could take that file, this cop put it on a web server somewhere. If it had access to the outside world, I could take a HTTP link or a URL to that and put it in something like QGIS and it would just work. And we don't need a geo server or a map server or a QGIS server or something like that in between that. A am I on the right track here or am I missing something? Exactly. That's that's the thing. It's uh, really the, the the beauty is there, like how, how easy it is then to host the data and uh, get it uh, to, to the users. This removes the burden or a lot of the burden from the data host. They don't need to run the, this huge expensive server in the background just to serve out data. It is just, it could be blob storage somewhere and that's it. That's all the infrastructure they need. I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There is one more feature to, to all this that we haven't mentioned yet, and that's uh, the, the backwards compatibility. So one important thing to note is that this uh, uh, cloud-optimized point cloud is kind of just a LAZ file, which is already like a industry standard. So even if you convert your data to cloud-optimized point clouds, you can still get loads of applications to work uh, with this file. Uh, just um, they wouldn't be able to use the extra features of the um, internal indexing. But um, it's still available and it doesn't need like all the other applications to kind of implement special support uh, for this format, which I find really great. That is actually a really amazing thing. It kind of begs the question, like, why should we create LAS files then? Can you think of a specific use case where you would choose a, a LAS file over a cloud-optimized point cloud? There are still uh, use cases also for the non-indexed LAS uh, format, uh, especially when, when you are you know, preparing some point cloud analysis workflows where you maybe don't need the optimized access using the indexing if like, you know that you will be processing all the points anyway and maybe in multiple stages. So in, in these cases, you can save some processing time when you simply do not do the indexing to cloud-optimized point clouds. Ah, okay. So you're saying that indexing might be adding this extra step, which is going to be destroyed when we carry on and do other forms of processing or filtering. So maybe during that processing change, it makes no sense to, to add that extra work. Yeah, exactly. And so when I think about cloud-optimized geotiffs, COGS, I think about GDAL. So my understanding is that GDAL has this functionality baked into it and anything that uses GDAL can both read and write COGS. What is reading and writing cloud-optimized point clouds? Right now, it is possible to use uh, Poodle to do the reading of uh, COPC files, uh, where you can also specify what is the uh, spatial resolution and what is the um, area of interest that you want to work with. That's useful when you want to do some 
data analysis. Uh, then QGIS uh, has now support for uh, loading uh, cloud-optimized point clouds. So you can use QGIS to load them and uh, view those files. And uh, there are also more and more uh, projects coming to life that also support uh, cloud-optimized point clouds. I can think of a um, web viewer uh, built by uh, Hobu, where you can just uh, point it to some existing URL, and uh, within the web browser, it will do the visualization of the point cloud for you. Wow. Yeah, oh, I have to get that link off you and include it in the show notes. During a previous conversation, you showed me this in action. We had QJS open. I think you dumped a, a point cloud in there of, I can't remember how many billions of points, but it, it was a lot. And what QGIS did was it took this last file and converted it to a COPC. It was unbelievable. For this, we internally in QGIS use a small command line tool called uh, Antwine, which was also built by Hobu. And so one can simply use this command line tool to uh, convert any point cloud file to cloud-optimized point cloud. Or, yeah, uh, just by loading uh, any point cloud file uh, in QGIS, QGIS will uh, do this automatically for you. Because, again, um, QGIS, if it wants to show the point cloud uh, data in 2D or 3D, it's uh, just not possible to do it efficiently by having this unorganized uh, data set. So it needs to do the indexing anyway. So we uh, do the indexing to uh, the cloud-optimized point cloud. Another great thing about uh, the cloud-optimized point cloud file is that it actually includes everything uh, that was in your original data set. So in theory, like you don't need to keep the original last file and the new cloud-optimized point cloud file next to each other. You could, um, in theory, also delete the original file and you would not lose any data. When you say everything that was in the original file, are we talking about like a classification, uh, other sort of data attributes? What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. So generally point clouds, apart from uh, having the XYZ coordinates for each point, they typically also have some more attributes, and these are exactly the classification, intensity, number of returns, return number, and so on. Some software, uh, simply when they process uh, the data in order to be able to visualize the data, some of this um, gets completely ignored um, and this information gets lost. But uh, not here, so all the information is preserved. And so the file is great for both uh, viewing purposes, but also for analysis. I, I want to talk a little bit about analysis in, in just a minute, specifically in, in QGIS. But before we get there, could you just explain the process to me, please, of reading like a file that's not on my local drive? How, how would I read a file in QGIS, a cloud-optimized point cloud in QGIS from a link? Mm -hmm. You simply open QGIS, you open the data source manager, uh, get to the tab where you deal with point clouds and simply instead of pointing it to a local file you switch uh, to the mode where you set the url of the cloud optimized point clouds on some uh, web server and that's it QGIS will simply query the server find out if it can uh, deal with the range queries and if it can and if it's a valid cloud optimized point cloud file it will simply start uh, this streaming 
and uh, it will load the data on, on demand. And of course, internally, QGIS will also do some caching of the data. So it's not that every time you refresh your view, it will need to go and fetch the data from the server again. And uh, so the subsequent um, loads and views of the data will be faster. So I'm pretty sure that uh, Cloud Optimized GeoTips are read-only. Is that also the case with, with, with Cloud Optimized Point Clouds? Uh, yeah, that's right. So you would use this for the read-only access. So now that we have this, this Cloud Optimized Point Cloud format, and you've explained how we stream it, and I guess my question is, what did we do before we had this format? How did we stream Point Clouds? Previously, there were already some existing formats that are good for streaming. So from the open source world, one that was um, very interesting is, uh, and is still very interesting, is the EPT format, which was also created by, by Hobu. And um, in a way, you can think of it as a, like raster tiles, but for, uh, for point clouds, where you simply have a big directory structure with the individual files. So compared to that one, cloud-optimized point cloud uh, files have the advantage that it's not like, let's say, thousands or millions files in some folder structure, but it's just uh, one single file. So it's uh, much easier to, to deal with. Previously, also in QGIS, in an, our uh, initial implementation, we uh, relied on this EPT format, but now we have switched to the cloud-optimized point clouds. And uh, in the proprietary world, there are a couple of other formats. So, for example, there is uh, the i3s uh, format from S3 uh, that um, uh, supports point cloud and also other types of uh, 3D data. And in the open source world, there is also the format called 3D tiles. But I know that we can consume and create this format, Cloud Optimized Point Cloud in QGIS. Can I do the same thing in Esri, for example? Mm, in Esri, I think the situation is uh, a bit more difficult as um, at some point they have created their own format for point cloud data. I think it's called uh, ZLAS. So they didn't have support uh, for the LAZ, uh, the, the compressed version of uh, LAS files, which uh, Cloud Optimized Point Clouds uh, is based on. So I'm not really sure if, um, for example, Esri will be keen to implement this format, but uh, let's see what the uh, future brings. Ooh, thank you very much. We've come a long way in the conversation already. Now it's time to turn to the analysis side of it. And I think we should stay with QGIS because Lutra Consulting has just finished a, a successful crowdfunding campaign to build a lot of extra functionality for cloud-optimized point clouds in QGIS. So the question is, Martin, what are you going to build for us? What kind of functionality are we talking about? Or you know, what is missing in QGIS today when we think about cloud-optimized point clouds? We are all very excited about uh, this success. It's uh, been a campaign that we have prepared uh, together with uh, Hobu and uh, Northroad companies. And um, yeah, so the problem in QGIS is that right now it can only visualize the, the point clouds. And of course, like you can do also the cross-section profile or, or do some measurements or some simple exporting of data. But um, for most of the people, point clouds are really more of a, like a raw uh, data type 
and um, they want to do for the processing of uh, of the point clouds. So until now, um, there were some integrations of uh, third-party tools, most of them proprietary, uh, that would uh, help people to do the analysis, do things like uh, export point cloud data to uh, raster digital elevation models and uh, similar kinds of uh, workflows. But um, now in QGIS, we are already using the Poodle library for the data access uh, to point clouds. But uh, in fact, this is maybe just like 5% of what the library actually has to offer. It is, uh, I would say, state-of-the-art open source library to deal with point clouds. It um, contains like dozens and dozens of uh, filters that can do all sorts of things from filtering data, classification, doing various um, export of um, derived data like uh, the rasters or even uh, meshes. All this is uh, there and I would say relatively few people know about it because um, the Poodle library itself, it uses uh, so-called pipelines which are like small JSON files that you uh, need to craft manually and uh, then run to get some uh, results, which works fine for, let's say, advanced users. But uh, many ordinary users uh, find this a bit too complicated. So this is um, what we would like to address to take all the functionality that um, the Poodle library already offers, make it more, let's say, user-friendly, and uh, build a very simple integrated toolbox uh, within QGIS. So in a future version of QGIS, uh, when you open it, just like next to the all the algorithms that you have for dealing with vectors and for rasters, you would have also the point cloud uh, toolbox where you could simply take your point cloud, maybe uh, remove some noise, do classification, maybe do some spatial filtering, etc all the workflow up to, let's say, creation of some raster digital elevation models or uh, whatever uh, you need. So this is our main focus for for the campaign. There are a couple of uh, other things we would like to improve. For example, to be able to uh, work with large data sets of point clouds even in an easier way. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about that for a second, because I have a feeling that what you might be thinking about there or talking about there is creating the, these virtual files in the same way that we, we do with GDAL when we have a lot, let, let's say we have a folder full of, of GeoTIFFs, for example, you can create a virtual file and then pull from that entire data set. Uh, at least that, that's what I'm imagining that where you might be going with this. A- am I on the right track? Yeah, absolutely. So that's uh, what we are really after. Because point clouds typically are delivered in these tiles. These can be typically maybe one kilometer square tiles, which um, with uh, dense point clouds is, let's say, reasonable size of a single file. And um, you can imagine that if you are working with a slightly larger area, you get to have hundreds or even thousands of uh, these uh, tile files. and. Uh, by now, it has been a bit impractical to simply like load those files one by one to QGIS. It just doesn't work that well, then everything gets slow and so on. 
but uh, if you are able to kind of create this um, virtual point cloud uh, that will be simply referenced from one single file then the user experience can be much better for both the visualization within QGIS but also for all the processing uh, workflows that people may want to do. So I just want to make sure I understand this. When we think about creating a, a virtual file you know, based on all, all these other separate files, which are themselves indexed, are we talking about creating an overarching index in the same way, that the same kind of index that we may be created w within, the, um, within the cloud optimized point cloud? It's an overarching one that covers all of the files. Is that what we're talking about? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the main idea, to have this kind of meta hierarchy of um, the whole big data set. How would that work if you were pulling from a, from a URL? It would uh, work in a similar way that um, if you would give the client like QGIS just URL of the virtual point cloud file, it would uh, download just that. It should be a small file that just uh, references all the other files. And um, initially, uh, the viewer could just simply show you the extents of individual tiles. And as soon as you get uh, closer, then it will actually start to load uh, the, the real data from the cloud-optimized point clouds from the server. If I had a list of all of the um, cloud-optimized point clouds and, and the URLs, could I create that virtual file on my own machine and just have it sitting there and pull from that? Yeah, that's uh, something we would like to support as well. So we would like to have a combination of uh, various options. So either there is a remote uh, virtual point cloud that's referencing other remote cloud-optimized uh, files, or you have your local file that um, is referencing to remote files, or you could even have a local file referencing some other local files. Do you think there's a world where this will be available through like a, a stack interface in the same way that the cloud-optimized GeoTIFF is or, or can be integrated into? Absolutely. In a way, this is a, a similar concept that uh, it is some kind of catalog of um, data. We've been even thinking about basing all this uh, on top of stack. So right now we see uh, some technical difficulties in doing that, but. Uh, Maybe we will find a way around. So it's um, still an open topic. In any case, we would like to stay close to, to stack. So maybe have some kind of feature, like uh, if you have a virtual point cloud, you should be able to very easily export uh, the equivalent definition of it uh, in stack protocol. And just for people that aren't familiar, what, what, what does stack stand for? So STEC uh, stands for the Spatial Temporal Asset Catalog, if I remember the name correctly. Yeah, it's um, simply a protocol for easy access to uh, spatial and temporal data. So think of typically like uh, satellite imagery, but um, it is being increasingly used also for distribution of point clouds. And I think too, if you're if you're listening to this and it's the first time you're hearing about Stack, it's it's well worth uh, spending some time and finding out about it. I think it's a it's a really promising idea. Can we copy paste the same thing and use it for other vector formats and just make every sort of vector format cloud optimized? 
And my guess is it works for points. Is there any reason why this wouldn't work for, for polygons or lines? Yeah, so this is a quite a hard topic, actually. And uh, nowadays, I think there are lots of discussions on like what would be the cloud-optimized uh, format for, for vectors. The fact that uh, we need to deal with uh, lines and polygons and uh, all these things really complicates that. Uh, so I think uh, there are a couple of formats that may end up being the cloud-optimized vector, but uh, it's actually much harder than with uh, rasters or point clouds. Is it to do with, with the indexing side of things? Like, do you cut lines in half? Do you cut polygons in half? Is that where the, the complication lies? The complication is mainly with um, the structure of, of the geometry. So, for example, with point clouds, if you need to lower the spatial resolution, you just um, ignore some of the points and uh, use a, a subset of that. But um, it's not very clear how to do that with um, lines or polygons. Like there are some, let's say, algorithms to do the generalization to, let's say, lower the number of uh, vertices that would be used so that if you need um, lower spatial resolution, you can get that. But um, they all have some limitations. It really depends on the use case, uh, like how exactly you would want the, uh, this simplification to actually work. So um, it's uh, tricky. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really tricky. When you think about these, some of these cloud-optimized formats, if, if we just stick with, with rasters and, and point clouds for the time being, are people already talking about building extra features onto them? Like maybe being able to password protect them, for example. That, that might be a totally ridiculous idea. But my, my point is here, are, are people thinking about like, what can we do next with this format? Or, or are, we, are we done? We're pretty happy with the way they are and like that problem is solved and now we're going to, deal with the functionality of how we can process them, how we can analyze this data in a client? Mm, that's a good question. And um, I'm sure uh, there will be more and more developments uh, when it comes to cloud-optimized uh, formats. People also come up with uh, new ideas how to make things maybe even more optimized. But um, I'm expecting there will be a lot uh, going on in this area especially as uh, you already mentioned uh, with vectors, where right now we don't really have a good answer for them. So we've talked a little bit about the successful crowdfunding campaign that you've run, and you, you talked about the, the kinds of amazing functionality you want to implement into QGIS. Can you give us a, a timeline for that? Like, when can people expect to see this in, in the next in a QGIS release? So... Our plan right now is to deliver this new functionality in the following two QGIS releases. So that should be the QGIS uh, 3.30 and 3.32. So one is coming out in February 2023, and the other one should be ready in June 2023. So within this, let's say, roughly half a year, we would like to deliver the promises of the new analytical tools in QGIS and uh, virtual point cloud support and uh, much more. Wonderful. Well, I, I want to thank you very much in advance. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what people do with this functionality.
So people will be sitting out there listening to this thinking, this is amazing. Where can I go to learn more? So I can include a, a link to Lutra con Consulting. Is there anywhere else I should put a, a link to, like where people can go and find out more about cloud optimized point clouds or perhaps the work that you're doing? Yeah, so you can find us on uh, Twitter. That's our main social media where we publish what uh, we are doing. I would also suggest to closely follow the Twitter of Howard Butler, who is uh, the head of the Habu company, and uh, to follow uh, North Road as well, who is uh, that are also doing the uh, crowdfunding work with us. Thank you very much for that. I'll, I'll definitely put links to those in the show notes of this episode. Martin, thanks very much. Uh, really appreciate your time. Um, fascinating work that you're doing. I really appreciate it. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you. And thanks for inviting me to the podcast. So once again, thank you very much to OpenCage Geocoder for giving away sponsorship spots on this episode, for giving me the opportunity to highlight some pretty awesome projects based on OpenStreetMap. And the project that we're highlighting in this episode is a project called weeklyosm.eu. So this is worth checking out. If you want to know what's happening in OpenStreetMap, this is the place to go. Again, weeklyosm.eu. I'll put a link to that in the show notes of this episode, and it's well worth checking out. I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Martin, CTO of Lutra Consulting. It's worth pointing out that we've published a few episodes now around this idea of cloud-native geospatial, and I will link to those in the show notes of this episode. Okay, that's it for me. That's it for this episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. I'll be back again soon. I hope that you'll take the time to join me then. Bye.